Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I know I'm going to get pimped. They're going to pimp me. Long talk. I love sausage. Thank you, Tim. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber. On Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I did old uh, some poll uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me so honia. The Tim Graham Show. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show. Am I on? I'm not hearing myself in my ears. Yeah, you're on. Okay. I can hear you. Okay. Let's get after it. Tim Graham Show, November 21st, 2018, Year of Our Lord edition. Brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. No big crooked today. You're right. I'm having trouble with my crooked. voice. <clears throat> I am plenty crooked, though. Crooked Rodak. What does that mean? <laughs> I'll tell you later. <laughs> I'll show you later. Chris Baker of The Athletic. You follow him at Sabres Prospects on Twitter. He's going to be in studio for the full two hours. He might have to carry me. I had a, went, I didn't go down yet. <clears throat> yeah, ten minutes before the show, you're like, I just mm-hmm. have this coughing fit going on i can't get rid of it nobody at this radio station this bundle of radio stations here at cumulus seems to have a cough drop which surprises me jonah bronstein's here he showed up for work today on the eve of thanksgiving he's handling things on periscope but go to uh my twitter feed at tim graham at oop no don't do that that's somebody else at by tim graham or uh, Jonah Bronstein, at LeBronstein. One of the great uh, Twitter follows in Western New York. If you're into Western New York sports, you better follow LeBronstein because it's high schools, it's colleges, it's recruiting, it's bills. You get some sabers because he represents Jonah Bronstein Enterprises. He covers so a little bit of everything. He's combing the campus. Not a ton of sabers, but but you do cover it for the Associated Press on occasion. And exclusively, uh, that's why I don't tweet about it. University at Buffalo stuff, all kinds of uh, maction that we can discuss. UB basketball getting up to number twenty three in the country with a chance to go even higher. UB football with a chance to win the MAC East. If they win Friday. On Friday against Bowling Green. That game's at noon. So we could talk about that. But the topic of conversation around Western New York right now is all about the Buffalo Sabres. They're molten hot. And uh, we're going to have uh, Brian Campbell, former Buffalo Sabres defenseman, who remembers what it's like when the team is winning and things are fun around here. And it sounds like we may be getting to that again. Maybe it's a little too soon. I don't know. Is it too soon to get excited about these Sabres? But regardless, even if it is a little too soon, the fact that the team has been bad for so long, this run that they've been on, six in a row, as they head into tonight's game against the Philadelphia Flyers, is such a a welcome diversion to the pain and bleakness that have surrounded the Buffalo Sabres organization for the past few years. Uh, But what say you, Chris Baker? Is it too soon 
to start uh, tightening the lug nuts on the bandwagon? They say every year that where you are when it comes to be American Thanksgiving, all right, they're at the quarter pole of the season right now. But when you hit late November, where you are, that kind of tells the story of what you're probably going to be. So I think the buzz is, I think it makes sense. You know, I mean, there's still a lot of hockey left to play. Guys could get, I don't even want to say it, injured, <laughs> key player. You know, it's going to test your depth potentially. Some of these guys in Rochester, things are going well, though, at the NHL level. Things are going well at the AHL level. And it's night and day to your point. So winnable game tonight, seven in a row, perhaps against Philly. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's just, I'm still having a hard time processing it because it seems like it crept up on you. You know what I mean? They went from being... 31st in the league last year, bottom of the barrel, you know what I mean? Then they're they're up, they're four points out, I think, of the first overall in the entire league. Nashville has 31 points. Sabres have, well, th- well what, three points, actually, three or four. But- Sabres, are, they're 7-2-1 in their last 10 games. Yeah. And it's their best 10-game stretch since March of 2012. So that's six seasons ago. Hmm. No, it, it's crazy. It's crazy, but they're they're clicking. I mean, their fourth line is playing really well. I mean, all the way through the lineup, that's how everyone's you know. pulling their weight, and they're they look like a team. But the guys look like they enjoy each other too. It's just night and day compared to last year. So no, it's it's good to see. Sabers making a move today, bringing up Lawrence Pilot uh, from Rochester. Yeah, and uh, he's been on a nice little run uh, with the Amherst down there. Any relation to Pontius Pilot? No, but his father was Larry Pilot. I see. Who had a little stint. He had a cup of coffee in the North American pros. I, he might want to try that uh, Ancestry.com and see if he's <laughs> any relation to Pontius Pilot. Pilot, though. What's this? Just some church music. No, it's... It makes me think of church. Pontius Pilot? Yeah. I think you should have some uh, ominous music for <laughs> Pontius Pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Jonah? You know all about Pontius Pilate? No, I have no idea what Pontius Pilate is. Really? What's wrong with you? Well, <laughs> I know. Jonah's of the Jewish faith. Maybe he's. Uh, I don't know what church. Maybe he's in denial. <laughs> Jonah's looking very dapper today, though. That music that you played there, though, Bobby, didn't remind me of church. I it it reminded me of a wake. Yeah, you're right. It was a little too sad. Are you going to church after the show? Is that why you look so good? No, but I was going to go to City Hall. No, you got called off. Yeah, it's a shame. Well, maybe that'll be talked about someday. We had a, we had something cooked up today uh, with our good friend, uh, the big crooked Mike Rodak. Uh, he couldn't be here today, and uh, we're going to leave it at that. Conspicuous in his absence. <laughs> yes. I wish we could get more into it. Uh, so the Buffalo Bills, just to keep setting the table for the rest of the show, uh, the Buffalo Bills going up against the Jaguars on Sunday, we could be looking at the NFL's anti-movement right here at New Era Field on Sunday, because the Bills and the Jaguars, uh, this looks like it's going to be an offensive slap fight. The Bills have an NFL-worst 137 points. They've scored 12 offensive touchdowns all year. The Jaguars have scored only 17 offensive touchdowns, third-worst in the NFL. And on top of it, each team features a defense that is really good. So... We're probably going to be, well, I don't want to say probably, but the numbers suggest a low-scoring game, a maddeningly boring game, the exact opposite of what Chris Baker and I sat at Elmo's and watched on Monday night 
as the Kansas City Chiefs and Los Angeles Rams went tilt. Amazing. Amazing game. Hey, I was talking with uh, Micah Hyde about it today at his locker stall there in Orchard Park and the Bills' safety, and I asked him if he thought it was a good football game. He said it was exciting because it was a last-possession game. But I said, was it good football? And he smiled and kind of shook his head, and he didn't quite know what the diplomatic thing to say was. But half the game was missing. There was no defense. And, yes, you could say there were three defensive touchdowns. But if the game is not a one-score game, if it's 54-38, to then we're probably not thinking it's all that great of a football game because it was just no defense. He he said it was frustrating to watch these defensive backs not be able to make a play on the ball, not be able to make a tackle, and it was just bad play after bad play from a defensive standpoint. So, yes, it's fun to see all these scores, and as when Aaron Donald's on the field, you're going to get some defensive entertainment, and there were some good plays, but I don't know. What what'd you think about it, Jonah, when – when you were watching, I didn't necessarily watch the whole game live. I saw pieces of it and saw the highlights. But I think in general, that type of football, it's entertaining to watch, but it's not fun in the same way as watching a really well played football game when there's balance between offense and defense. And I think in any sport, and you've gotten away from this a lot. This is how the game's played in high school and most colleges, and is becoming common in the NFL. And when you see it every week, and you think a team's going to score every possession maction football is a lot like that i think it takes a little bit of the peel out of it it's fun at the end it's fun in the fourth quarter overtimes things like that but i don't think week to week to week i want to see a touchdown scored on every possession yeah on it is seemingly every third play i mean the possessions aren't even all that um progressive you know it's it's big plays and it's just going for the big play and you'll get or a chunk of yards on a penalty on a pass interference so pat mahomes goes deep and there's a 35-yard pass interference call. Well, that's yeah, that was a big gain, but it was a nothing play. And it's just another. There were a ton of flags in that game, so I understand the appeal. Uh, Micah Hyde and I were on the same page in regard to that. And I, I, there was a big discussion on social media on Tuesday morning as to whether or not that was good football. And a lot of people who were enthralled by it uh, were saying, "Look, uh, don't be a knuckle dragger or a meathead." or stuck in the leather helmet era, this is what fans want. And I agree that what fans want are close games that come down to the end that lean towards more points than fewer points. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that that brand of football is what's best for the game long-term. And we're going right. to see exactly the, probably the polar opposite on yeah. Sunday at New Era Field. So we're going to see probably something closer to Bill's Titans when Stephen Hauschka kicked a field goal with no time left on the clock, and and that was that. Or the last time these two teams played when they combined for one touchdown. Mm, in a pretty and, big stage. But, well, I was thinking, just to your point on the the high-scoring games, I think back to the Bills and the Niners playing that no-punt game in 1992, I think it was. And that was very exciting what all the fans wanted to see because it was an anomaly. And a lot of times high-scoring offenses, the Rams that were the greatest show on turf, the Patriots in 2007 – that's fun because you didn't see that every week. When it's becoming commonplace, it takes that appeal out of it. And it, Maybe Monday night's game was the greatest game that we've seen in five, ten years, but it's hard to wrap your head around that and calibrate that yeah. because we're going to see a game like that again in a week or two. You we could. There are only a handful of teams that could handle a matchup like that. And it might only be yeah. two teams. And make it interesting. Yeah, because otherwise yeah. it's going to be lopsided. 
You know, the Bills against the Rams, what would happen? Well, right. Yeah. But I think New England on a good day, the Packers on a good day, the, the Saints, there's other teams that could play that game with those teams. That's true. Well, the Patriots had one with the Chiefs. That was a great game, too. Same type of game. But the, And the Rams had defensive plays in this game on Monday. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Dodd, nice there plays. were three defensive yeah. touchdowns in the game. Right. There were strip sacks. Uh, there were fumbles. There were interceptions. You know, Pat Mahomes so there was a had five turnovers. But yeah. there wasn't those hard stops. And, well, and I know what you mean. That, that's actually the way the game is played now. You really can't – not that you can't, but it's very hard to stop teams on defense. The Bills actually probably do that as well as anybody. But you, if you can force turnovers and score on defense and flip the game that way – then you're adding value on the defensive end, almost like in hockey, a defensive, offensive defenseman. And that's the way a lot of these teams can compete because you really can't just be a shutdown defense anymore. Sunday in Orchard Park, it looks like it's going to be Josh Allen against Blake Bortles, mm. uh, which is uninspiring in and of itself. But then factor in that the Bills and the Jaguars this season, their defenses have limited opposing quarterbacks to bottom five in passer rating opposing opposing passer rating so you have two quarterbacks who haven't done much period going up against defenses that even if you're a, are a good quarterback uh they find ways to to keep you limited Aaron Rodgers had trouble against the Bills defense so uh it, it doesn't bode for an entertaining game on Sunday. Now, we've said that a handful of times this year and the Bills have gone out and scored 40. They're coming off a 40 point game. And uh, uh, Kevin Kearns uh, in their PR department mentioned to me, he said, hey, Tim, if the Bills can score 40 points, it's the only the second time in franchise history they've scored 40 points in back-to-back weeks, <laughs> going back to 1990. And, uh, well, they are coming off a big game. They, they have had these games. Uh, but I don't see it happening against uh, St. Doug and, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Six in a row. I didn't realize the Jags, are, they've lost six straight. Yeah. Wow. And seven out of nine, I think it is, or seven out of eight. You think yeah. Marone's in trouble? Or how much trouble do you think he's in? Well, that's a good question. You know, it's Tom Coughlin's team, really. And uh, it comes down to how much in trouble Tom Coughlin is and if Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, uh, gets antsy. And there might need to be a sacrificial lamb. And that would be Doug Marone. I don't think it's going to be Dave Caldwell, the St. Francis grad, who's the general manager. Uh, he really answers to Tom Coughlin, too. But, you know, the team is, belongs to Tom Coughlin so intimately that Tom Coughlin is at practices. He's still referred to as coach in the organization. Doug Marone refers to him as coach uh, in press conferences. I've heard it. And I don't know if it's all the time, but I have heard it. <laughs> he used He's, to do that up here. Who did he used to call coach up here? Did he call somebody coach no, up here? Sarcastic. Might have been somebody. Sideline reporter, maybe. Yeah. Oh, Coach Sal. Yeah. <laughs> Did Marone call him coach? But um, but Marone would also give uh, Tom Coughlin a playlist, and he's at practice with the play chart, going through the drills. You know, stand there. Most team presidents don't do that. So if Tom Coughlin feels that he's under pressure and he needs to appease Shad Khan, the owner, then you may see Doug Marone get fired. How do you gas a coach, though, a year after he goes to the conference championship game? Well, he's losing games in, I know, a, in yeah. a very high-profile way. The AFC championship game, the Jaguars should have gone to the Super Bowl. And Doug Marone mismanaged that lead so badly, and we saw him do it again against the Steelers. Now, his out is 
we'll take a look at my quarterback. Right. right. Well, and if Blake Bortles is the quarterback, you can't throw while you have the lead late in the game. You have to run the ball three times into the middle of the line, or at least that's what they think. Well, and I'm sure he's uh-uh. taking that direction also from Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin is saying this is how we want to run our football team. I don't think Doug Marone is is operating outside of the lane that Tom Coughlin's established. Well, I know you don't necessarily look above the coach in this situation, but they did just extend Blake Bortles, and that's not Doug Marone's job. That's Tom Coughlin. So he clearly thinks something of Blake Bortles. Well, or yes and no, Bobby. Had- yes and no, because... Doug Marone also has a say of who he wants his quarterback to be. Sure. Now, it's not the same as what in Buffalo mm-hmm. uh, it was in Buffalo, uh, but he brought in Kyle Orton because he didn't like what he saw at EJ Manuel. Yeah. So he can stump for his guy. He'll he'll state the case. Right. But you're right. It is I'm sure that you know, there are other people who are just as much more so on the hook for Blake Bortles in that organization yeah. than Doug Marone. Right. So finding where to put the it's going to come back to Doug Marone. This is what we're saying, right? More Tom Coughlin. Yeah, I think that really, think if, if a change has to be made, it's probably going to be Tom Coughlin. Or, really? Or what about if it's Nathaniel Hackett? What if they decide, look, you're not going to fire anybody on the defensive side of the ball. If you need to make a change for the sake of change, which teams do all the time, whether it's right or wrong, yeah. they do it all the time. Yeah. And it gets down to a thing where he's told he has to get rid of Nathaniel Hackett who was his offensive coordinator at Syracuse. He was his offensive coordinator in Buffalo. He's his offensive coordinator in Jacksonville. Now, what does Doug Marone do? Some coaches in that situation say no, and they say, you're going to have to fire me. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then you're fired too. That's what happened with Wade Phillips. Yeah, they didn't have Fournette for weeks. Yeah. I mean, he was their horse, right? He still is their horse. There are a lot, of, reason, there are a lot of reasons why the Jaguars aren't doing well. However, there were high expectations mm-hmm. on this team. They were projected to go to the Super Bowl by a lot of people. Um, and, you know, that that region has really bought into the team. And now with the specter of London and all these mm-hmm. things, you know, they need these tickets to be sold. They hope they took the black tarp off some of these sections so they could sell more tickets uh, because they had uh, way more interest in season tickets uh, for this season as, as opposed to past seasons. So you do have a fan base that you need to – Keep happy. Speaking of fan base, can we get last minute guest? You know, the, the super fan. You remember the video? The steal the show. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to have to show you on break. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we I get do her? know what you're talking can we about. Get oh. Does she have a phone? I don't can, think she has a phone. She might not have. We might have to send a <laughs> carrier pigeon. Uh, when I think of the Jaguars, that's who I think of. I don't think of Marone. I don't think of yeah. Fournette. I don't think of Coughlin. <laughs> that I think truck of driver lady. Steal the show. <laughs> <laughs> I think of, I just think of Dug or Not. I just think of the big Duggernaut. This is Radio Duggernaut, the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Uh, when we come back, we're going to have more Sabres talk with Chris Baker of The Athletic. We're going to talk UB with Jonah Bronstein. We're going to get into whatever Bobby Rosati wants to talk about. I don't know if he he brought uh, <laughs> some brought topics. notes to the show. <laughs> Bobby, to watch what, are we, what are we vaping today? <laughs> what do we vape? What do we uh, have? A little bit of peach ice, uh, peach lemonade, and mixed with butterscotch. It's gross. What? Yeah. Do you mix that yourself? No. I just run out, I get low, and then you got to put a different oh, flavor uh, in. Like, so. you don't tell your vapologist. <laughs> no. Your va- vaporista. Your vape tender. No. <laughs> I think it's a vape tender. Yeah. Vape tender, okay. <laughs> well, maybe we'll talk, we'll get into some of that. i got to figure out what else you're smoking over there. 
Uh, and Brian Campbell, former Buffalo Sabres defenseman and Lady Bing winner. That's I'm right. sure that that's on the top of his resume. Not the Stanley Cup, not the All-Star game. Lady Bing winner, Brian Campbell. Might be the biggest name that's ever called in this show. Yes, I think that's He's true. There. He's in the conversation. It's got to be up there. Um, you know, the interesting thing is we're going to be calling Brian Campbell, whereas last week O.J. Simpson called us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He so, waited on the phones for like 45 minutes. He did. But, you know, we could talk about that, too. And phone lines are open. If you want to talk Sabres, Bills, UB, call us up, smack us up. 270-1270. That's 716 area code. 716-270-1270. The Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270. The Fan. The sports writer Tim Graham. The Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270. The Fan. Thank you all for coming. I've traveled all across the fabric of space-time. We could do a podcast and it would be a million times better than whatever that drivel was we were listening to. The Tim Graham Show. Now on Sports Radio 1270. The Fan. And on the Fan's app. Free to download in the App Store. It's the Radio 1270, The Fan, and on the Fan's app, free to download in the App Store. Jaguars picks, they say they have the best draft in the entire NFL. Are you surprised to hear that? Certainly not. The first year we took it to the limit. And I was in Miami with my new beach house. Well, it was a couple minutes from the beach. It's been 20 years since then. We haven't been too strong in the last few years. Oh, we've been strong. We're just playing by the rules. You can't have a newcomer come in and steal a show. Thank you. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show. Chris Baker's here to steal the show. No Mike Rodak today, so Chris Baker is here. Chris Baker of The Athletic, at Sabres Prospects on Twitter. And with that Twitter handle, I don't need to explain anything else. I don't need to tell you what he does or what he's into. He's at Sabres Prospects. The Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. On Twitter, you can find him at VCL Niagara. And uh, Jonah Bronstein, he's here in studio. He's handling things for Periscope. You can see a feed of this in all previous Tim Graham shows uh, by searching the old uh, tweet trolla. At by Tim Graham, at LeBronstein. We're retweeting it all. You see Periscope. Check out the show if that's what you're into. Tim Graham Show, also available in podcast form on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, I tweet him out after the show, so you can catch him there, or just go ahead and search the library right now. I don't need to tell you how to do that. Bobby Rosati's here. He's diddling the knobs. He's our producer extraordinaire. Telling us about his vape choices. What was it again? Peach? Peach lemonade butterscotch. Peach lemonade and butterscotch. Yeah. Those are two different flavors, not three. Yes. Okay, so I'm a big lemonade guy. You were having that. your butterscotch, and that was yes. fine. Not a big fan of butterscotch. No? It was okay. a backup that I keep in the studio so that I have it if I run out. And so you're having the peach lemonade, which you like. Uh, I love lemonades. And now you're just uh, you're out of you just don't have enough for a full. What do you call that? A tank. A tank. Yeah, a I canister. Don't usually, I don't usually fill it up the whole way anyway. So now you're mixing them up. Yeah, it can't be good. It's not bad actually. It's it's kind of like. Uh, 
It's like trying a new Gatorade. Didn't you say before the commercial break that it's not good? No, it's not good if like you're not used to it. But it's like I love Gatorade, so I'll try any flavor Gatorade and like it. It's like that with vape. Like, oh, okay, that's not bad. Except there's like one or two things that are just ugh. What's the worst vape flavor you've ever had? Ah, uh, the worst. How exotic does it get? Like green beans, um, green bean casserole. You can, yeah, you can get some pretty weird food like steak and stuff. Uh, I think the worst I ever suck attack weird food steak, <laughs> steak, <laughs> steak and potatoes. Uh, I tried a. It was the flavor of marijuana. It was supposed to be, and yeah. it was hor- It was terrible. I literally t- smelled it, and it was horrendous. I'd like to. I'd try succotash. Ugh. Goulash. Goulash. <laughs> Goulash. I might I might start vaping if they have like a turkey and stuffing. Yeah. You know. Coffee's That actually right? might be brilliant, like the Thanksgiving vape. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like the yeah. girl chewing the gum in Willy Wonka. Uh, yeah, with a the five course meal. Yeah. <laughs> or just everybody around the table vape. Or a hookah, right? Could you hookah we with can, different? Yes. And everybody just passes it around. Hey, can you pass the mashed potatoes? Well, yeah. Think about it. You're on a diet. You can't eat chicken wings, but you go to uh, Elmo's and you get the double dip honey mustard Cajun vape. You just suck on that all night and it's zero calories. That's my move, actually. Put that up. That is, that's going to be my move. Wow. All right. I think we're on to something. Get yeah. full on water vapor. The Tim Graham Show is on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. That's what you're listening to right now, unless, of course, you're listening to it on iTunes or SoundCloud or watching it on Periscope or all the different other ways that you can see The Tim Graham Show. Phone lines are open, 270-1270. Call right in. Uh, you can talk to us about uh, the Sabres going for their seventh straight victory tonight uh, downtown against the Philadelphia Flyers. And Chris Baker, uh, what do you think has been the biggest difference? Now, you can look at all kinds of things. Uh, obviously, the addition of Rasmus Dahlin, uh, the young players such as Sam Reinhardt and Jack Eichel and on and down the list, just getting that much older, that much more mature, that much more developed, all coming together. It gets exponential. Uh, but what do you see as being the biggest difference between this year's Sabres and the previous incarnations that we've grown to uh, loathe? <laughs> I think it's going to be the guy that's going to be in net tonight. I think Carter Hutton stabilizing the goaltending position. Um, you have a guy, you know, if you look at last year, if Leonard let a couple goals in. I think the team in front of the, him lost confidence. Leonard was going to fold. You, you, don't, you don't have that this year with Hutton. Hutton can make the big saves, going to keep his team in games, even if they get behind early, which they have pretty much for like all these games that they're winning. It seems like they're coming from behind every time. But, you know, Skinner's been great. I think Eichel being another year more mature is great, but Hutton is, I think, the the biggest difference maker for the team as a whole that's allowing them to be so high in the standings right now. And, you know, look, his numbers— Would you call him—would you go so far as to call him the MVP so far? Yes, he is. I mean, Skinner is kind of tough because he's not tough. I mean, that would be the obvious choice from a scoring standpoint. No, no. But what's more valuable so far? Well, I think that, I mean, so look, their goal differential, they're not scoring a lot of goals. That's what makes Skinner valuable. Like when he does score, he scores meaningful goals. But um, I think Hutton is your MVP right now. And his numbers, that's what's crazy about it, is that his numbers aren't sparkling. His save percentage, I'm looking at it right now, is 917. He's got a 261 goals against. I mean, Allmark's numbers are just as good. He's just not playing as many games. But saying that, um, you know, I think Skinner, like if you ask, like if you did a fan vote right now, I think Skinner would take the poll. Because he's scoring the goals, the team has it's fun to, to score. watch goals. It's like the 
discussion we were just having last segment about football but that's the, the NFL. Irony. Everybody looks at it and says, yes, just scoring makes me happy. They, but, I get excited, but... I love that defensive doesn't necessarily sure. I love defensive hockey, but I think that um, uh, but football, I love shootouts. You know what I mean? Like mm. I love the fifty-four. Maybe it depends how deep you are into the game. If you're a casual fan, you really just want to see excitement and scoring. And the more you understand the game, the more you appreciate both sides of the ball or the puck. What is uh, your assessment, Chris, of the blue line? So it's, again, night and day. Every defenseman has scored a goal this year. If you went back to this date last year, they didn't yet have a goal from any other defenseman. So you're starting to get contributions there. Darlene is coming along. I think he's at a really good controlled growth right now where he seems to be playing with confidence. When he makes a mistake, it doesn't rattle him. He bounces right back. He can get toasted one shift, go back to the bench, maybe just get a tap on the shoulder from Housley. He's back out there doing his thing. He's undeterred. Um, I think even a guy like Nathan Beaulieu is playing better than fans would expect him to. So, I mean, you're getting contributions across the board. Now, that's going to be tested, though, now. So, Scandella, who's been a workhorse for them, is going to be out tonight. They bring up Pilot. I don't think Pilot's probably going to play. I think they still had six healthy D. But, you know, the uh, they still need more scoring. They still need, they need more scoring, though, up front. I think the defensemen have done their job as a group. I have no complaints there. Where can they get better from a, and I'm not talking about uh, the little things, I'm, ta- I'm talking about the development type things, where you get the chemistry of partners playing together uh, and the youthfulness kind of coming around, if that makes any sense, if I'm asking the question right. Because that's where you, it, lines, at least, I guess maybe this is what I got used to in seven years covering Lindy Ruff. All, all seven years I covered the Sabres, Lindy Ruff was the head coach, and lines didn't stay the same. Mm-hmm with the exception of maybe the 06-07 season. Uh, and even then, he he has he, he couldn't help himself but to tinker. And Phil Housley's been the same way. Even when the line's going great, he, he breaks them up, moves them around. But the defensive pairings are where you get your consistency in terms of the chemistry and two guys needing to know and learning and evolving as defenders. I don't think that you can keep a solid group of pairs yet because you don't have a, a number one. You really don't have a number one defenseman yet. Ristolainen's paid like a number one, but that's too much work for him to, to manage and handle. I don't think he can do that. Like tonight, you're, you're going to see McCabe and Ristolainen. I think that's going to be a new pair. You're going to see Bogosian and Darlene. I don't know if Darlene's played. He played with McCabe to start the year, played with Casey Nelson. I don't know if he's played with Bogosian yet. So I think until someone emerges as a number one, that's going to allow the set to, you know, everyone will fall in line from there, and it could be next year before you actually see that, honestly. Um, now, I mean, where, where can they improve also, though, up front and, and build get more secondary scoring? Sam Reinhart needs to score more goals. He needs to get back to the front of the net, start taking away the goalie's eyes. You know, they're starting to get to the net more as a team, and that's what's leading to success and then scoring these goals late in the game. But Reinhardt, can't be a guy that's going to be buried on your third line. You need to get him going so he can be up in the top six forwards. And then, you know, they tried doing that when they took Pominville off that Eichel and Skinner line. They put Reinhardt up there for a little bit, just try to get him going. And they had to go back and put Pominville back up with him. So isn't it fun to talk about all these possibilities? Because these are conversations we couldn't have for what, three years? Yeah. yeah. You talk about lines in the way that you'd talk about, well, what's going to get Eichel, um, What's going to be the best for his maturity? What's going to be best for him to learn the game? 
It wasn't what's going to be the most dynamic group or how are we going to get scoring through all four lines or how are we going to be able to, well, you don't necessarily want, you're, well, you want scoring through yeah. all four lines, but you can't expect it. But setting up your lines in such a way that you're looking at chess pieces as opposed to uh, a bunch of guys thrown together just to get us through the week. You have a team now that can dictate play where before they were always just reacting to the other team that they were playing. And you know what I mean? Now they can actually game plan and go on the attack. Now it's not coming to fruition. So this team still needs to get better, though. This team needs to get leads early. You can't come from behind all yeah, year. It's not going to work. Can't, so they still need that. It goes back to my point about getting that secondary scoring and getting that secondary yeah. scoring earlier in the games. You know, but it is. It's refreshing. But they're still not a perfect team. You know, there's still improvements that need to be made. I mean, I'm looking at the defense tonight, and you know, it's going to be it's going to be challenging, I think, for them to get that same output too. You can't rely on your D scoring as much as they have. Right? There are parallels between what's happening to the Bills heading into the bye week and what we're experiencing with the Sabers so far this season. In that, with the Sabers being competitive and on a nice streak like they are, and fourth place in the NHL. Um, they're not embarrassing anymore. So yeah, they're not. They're flawed, mm-hmm. and they have a lot of room to improve. But there's there's reasons to get excited, and yeah. you're watching a game two times, three times a week without the fear of getting embarrassed, yeah. which is what the Bills have been doing this season. And all of a sudden, Matt Barkley comes along, and whoa, they won a game, and and now people are excited. They want more Matt Barkley than they want Josh <laughs> Allen, I think now, which I think is silly. But the reason being is they're so deprived of competitiveness. That they're just enamored with this, what we're seeing on the ice or on the field when it comes to Matt Barkley. Yeah, I'm still guarded with the Sabres. It kind of goes back to my comment that I made in the first five minutes of the show where it's like I'm having a hard time processing the team going from dead last to all of a sudden they're really close to the top of the standings. And I'm still guarded with that. Well, it's incredible. And I don't mean incredible in that, like, wow, really great. I mean incredible in the true definition of the word. Like, it can't be... It's not credible. It's not, <laughs> no, that's right. Or sustainable, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the, part of it, though, too, is that you talk about Hutton. You can talk about, um, you know, Kyle Poso coming back to life. You can talk about Skinner. But you also have to talk about addition by subtraction and Leonard and Kane and some of these other guys being out of the picture. O'Reilly. O'Reilly is the big one, actually. I think from a chemistry standpoint, that seems to be the biggest difference that for whatever reason, it wasn't working with him as co-captain with Jack last year, and now it's a lot different. All right, we're going to take a break here, and we have a fun guest coming up next. Uh, Tom Martin, formerly of uh, WKBW Channel 4 in uh, WIVB. Excuse me. Holy smokes. I I work for WIVB. WKBW is Channel 7. Steal the show. (laughs) Holy smokes. I might have just gotten fired. But anyway, Tom Martin, who is now working in Kansas City as a sports reporter down there, he is going to tell us what it's like to cover these Kansas City Chiefs and Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid and all this funzo stuff that's going on, if you can imagine it. I, I don't think I can imagine covering a team like this. The closest I came is when I was at ESPN for those three years and covered uh, Tom Brady for two of them. But not that 07 team. I was covering the one in fifteen Dolphins when the 0 seven when the two thousand and seven Patriots were going nuts. So to actually be around this team every day, covering these storylines, I mean, it's totally foreign concept for me and for 
Buffalo sports reporters in general. So we're going to have Tom Martin on uh, with us uh, when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. The Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. And steal the show. The Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. He was in for the drinks and the skirts, allegedly. Jason, chasing drinks and skirts. Feel free to call in with your favorite Derek Roy story. 270, 1270. And on the Fan's app, free to download in the App Store. The Tim Graham Show. Bobby, you're trying to say something with this song. Is, is there any? Did I miss a inside joke or no? No, okay. I just, I just right. really like this song. Sometimes these songs <laughs> come up during bumpers on Monday Night Football or yes. Sunday Night Football, and it has to do with the town. Or sometimes yeah. it's something that was said, and somebody pulls something out, and you can. It's pretty clever. Yeah. I thought maybe you were going for something. No, you'll know when I do that. Well, this, <laughs> this song's got some lyrics in it that could be. Oh right, yeah, you know, quadruple entendre. <laughs> They played at the Erie County Fair. I think it was like last summer. Really? Yeah, I live. Oh, I live re- right near the. I think they played this song like four times in their set. That's though. all they had. <laughs> it was this and Shine. <laughs> they had to. They had to. I know bands like that. Yeah, they had to get through a half hour yeah. set. That's pretty much their yeah. thing, though. Like those three songs, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there no. That's in both songs, right? It's in Shine and that song. They do a harrow. That's their yeah. gimmick, man. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> Good times. All right. Well, I don't need to decode uh, any kind of entendre in that. So, all right, Bobby, just want to make sure. <laughs> the Tim Graham Show is brought to you by the good folks at Viola Cummings and Lindsay. They saved the show. The show was no more until Viola Cummings and Lindsay came around. They're your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call them at 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Tim Graham Show is here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. And uh, we're joined by a guy who has to be having a lot of fun, although way busier, I'm sure, than he would be if he were covering a team like the Buffalo Bills. Tom Martin, sports reporter at KCTV, host of Chiefs Rewind, down there in Kansas City. Tom Martin, how the hell are you? I'm great. I, I heard the Mahomes impressions there. Was that what that that was? The reference. <laughs> that, that sounds like it. It does sound like Pat Mahomes. Is what's the yeah. name of the band? Co- Collective Soul. Collective yes. Soul. Maybe he's the lead singer of Collective Soul. <laughs> <His> son. <laughs> Mahomes has a like, couple Grover. couple decades too late. Yeah, yeah, Mahomes is for sure Grover, right? What something I mean, to that effect? People down here like to like to make him Kermit, but Kermit has a different kind of like tone to him you know patrick's more raspy and like country kermit yeah or fat albert there's got to be a fat albert character who sounds like that so tom martin formerly of channel four i uh committed a sin and i call i said wkbw channel four during the last segment so i'm gonna fall on uh, fall on the sword and come back again mm-hmm. and reiterate that it's wivb channel four and i should reiterate that because i get paid by WIVB Channel 4. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I probably should know that. I should have that memorized. So, Tom Martin, uh, how does it compare to cover the Chiefs 
after covering the Buffalo Bills? Well, you you suddenly wonder if you're being as hard on them as you as you're used to being on a team, right? Because you're like, wait a second, I kind of agree with everything I see them do, and in the losses they've had, they've lost by six points. They've scored ninety one points, and and even then, the defense, as many points as they've given up, have still not played awful because you're playing two of the great quarterbacks in football. It, it's you sort of question yourself. You're like, have I lost my cynicism? Because I, I used to be really questioning everything that, that Rex Ryan and, and for a brief time Sean McDermott would do. Not because they were necessarily wrong. They were a lot of times. But, but also just because that's what the, the history was. And then you walk into a coach with Andy Reid and you're like, wow, this guy, I'm learning something every week. And um, it's interesting. And, and this team, like, it's just – Everybody seems to kind of know how to handle the media a little better. I think from a confidence standpoint, they kind of have a full belief in what they're doing. And there's just, there are fewer quagmires. There really are. Now, what's funny is before I come on real quick, I was thinking about comparisons. And I think a lot of times I think back to covering Jack Eichel um, when he first got to Buffalo versus what Mahomes has been like now. And, And it's these two superstars, right? These two centers of the town and, and people love them and they want to be all about them and all that stuff. And same barber. I think that's been fascinating too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They do have the same haircut, don't they? <laughs> uh, this, um, it has to be a lot of fun to be around this, not in, even in and of itself, but then to have the juxtaposition, like you say, with the Bills, um, it, it just has to send it to a different level. Do you find yourself trying to explain to other people who maybe have been around Andy Reid a little bit longer. And sure, I'm sure that they're... Look, we're sports reporters. We're not supposed to be enjoying this necessarily. But it is sports, and it's fun to cover winning. And it's fun when the fans and your audience and my readers or listeners are enjoying themselves and hanging on every word. It does become a bit of a fun ride, but to then compare it to the desolation that was Buffalo, um, yeah, I'm sure you're pinching yourself when you wake up in the morning. Yeah, I mean, I will say that it'd be nice if I didn't have to talk about ketchup for a week. Um, Don't even bring that's... up that story, because I, tr- I purposely ignored it, and I know it's yeah. a thing. I know it's I know. a thing, because he, he puts ketchup on his steak. Is that what he does? He does. I had a lot of fun with it, like pun-wise, the first day, and then I realized that I had just set off a bomb that everyone else had also set off, and it was not good. So, um, yeah, in Buffalo, it's it's more like okay, Rex's truck, Rex get the lap band removed. Yeah, all that stuff. You know, like like much more, <laughs> much more comical. Like the ketchup thing isn't even funny. It's just the brands are now hopping all over it. Like Heinz is loving it, but. Besides that, there's not much to it. I think that goes back to, and we're in conversation with Tom Martin, sports reporter and anchor at KCTV in Kansas City and host of Chiefs Rewind. Uh, He's on the phone with us here talking about what it's like to cover the Chiefs and and his insights on one of the NFL's hottest teams. But it reminds me of when I was covering the Sabres back in those 06, 07 days when they went to -to back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals, and everybody hangs on every little morsel of information about these guys. They fans cannot get enough. So when you have something as as silly as ketchup or as innocent as ketchup comes out of uh comes out of a news conference, then yeah, everybody just devours it. Yeah, uh no pun intended. And and I think that I mean, really it's it's interesting with Mahomes 
And again, I keep thinking back to Eichel because they are two very different, I think, personalities. I think Mahomes was a bit more ready for the spotlight, and not that he like embraces it. I think he does a good job of sort of managing it from a business-like standpoint. Then again, you know, Jack Eichel never won for, I guess, until this year. And so there was having to manage the losing and, and, and not necessarily meeting the expectations. I mean, Patrick has the luxury of being the best quarterback not named Drew Brees in football right now. So, you know, you see that, that even keel, the kid who grew up in the locker room type of nature with him, and, and you don't get a lot of moments with him that feel all that natural in that respect. I think sometimes some of the best parts of, of covering Jack Eichel was that he'd kind of be honest with you, and, and, and sometimes even if it was in a negative connotation, you, you'd really get kind of a peek inside of what he was really feeling and thinking. And that's always kind of one of the goals that we have, right, is to pass that along. Um, and so you kind of search for those. I think that's one of the challenges you try to have is to try to get down to, really, this is a magical thing, and what's it like to process the magic that's happening for him. Um, but, you know, you have, what, I believe it's 11 games, so five games left in the season, and you're really wondering, I mean, how can they screw this up? You got 9-2, and two, and you probably have the number one seed sewed up. So you're thinking Super Bowl, you're thinking postseason, and, and just trying to get your mind ready to, to make sure you're all over everything that goes into that, and you're right. I mean, everything that gets tweeted or posted about Mahomes is going to just get feasted on every single time. And uh, so you want to keep trying to find new things to give people. And Tom, how do you balance or do you have time to really balance because everybody is uh, they just want to absorb every little factoid about what's going on with the Chiefs, whether it's Kareem Hunt or Mahomes or Tyreek Hill, all these guys, Kelsey, just so many A-list players on this team, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But you are also, I think, covering a movement in the NFL. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Rams very much at the forefront of what the NFL wants to become, of what other teams are going to have to try to catch up to. So I guess that's the macro part of the Kansas City Chiefs. And as you're trying to cover the hell out of this team on a day-to-day basis, uh, I guess... What um, what is your sense of of what's happening or what the Chiefs are doing with that ripple effect that goes through all the thirty two teams in the NFL? I think if I can if I can really do my job the best way possible, it is to take what you see on all twenty two and tape and break it down in the most layman's terms, and, and and you can get sort of the momentous part of it versus the statistical part of it, and you're witnessing history via jet sweeps and shovel passes to tight ends and whatnot. I sat down with a high school coach who, he coaches Drew Locke, he coaches some of the bigger young QB names in the Midwest, and I could see him coaching in the college ranks someday, and, and we just broke down Mahomes from an air raid standpoint and what adjustments you had to make coming from college to the NFL. And that's sort of the big thing here now is, you know, the air raid QB was don't touch for years. You know this. And, and all of a sudden, some of these guys are now succeeding in the NFL. And one story that I did with Andy Reid on it was, was you know, why does this work? And, and the thing he keeps harping on is that you saw players just throw and throw and throw, and you got ample chances to screw up throws. 
and then to succeed in some way, to use the whole field. So it's about trying to pass on that knowledge, whatever there is, via broadcast form, which is not the easiest thing. I mean, I, I think the, the, the beat writers are having a field day based on the amount of things they can convey. But um, then again, that's the challenge for me is to, is to balance you know, the stuff that our newsroom wants every day, which is three stories a day from the locker room, the basic stuff, and then can I make time to really show what's going on and present to people, look, I think you get the sense that this is historic, but here's why it's historic, here's why it's sustainable, and here's why this is the team to do it with a 60-plus-year-old coach who is somehow the biggest innovator, uh, maybe besides the youngest coach in football. It, it, it really is fascinating, and you keep trying to find angles to present that to people. We're in conversation with Tom Martin, former WIVB Channel 4 sports anchor and reporter. He's now in Kansas City working for KCTV, and he's host of Chiefs Rewind. So he's down around one of the most exciting NFL teams uh, on a daily basis. And, uh, Tom, I, I guess the the remaining question I have for you is what are the expectations? And if this team doesn't make it to the Super Bowl, is that a bad season based on how things have been ratcheted up? No, only because it's Kansas City, and I think with the devastating playoff losses they've had, be it the, the loss in Indianapolis, where I believe they blew something to the effect of a 30-point lead, uh, the Titans game last year, which was just a terrible loss. I think people around here, if you got to the AFC Championship game and lost, and, and, and you went up against, I would assume you're going to see Pittsburgh or New England there, I, I don't think people would call it a bad season, because to be quite honest, next year was supposed to be the year. They were not building for this to be this season, uh, given just some of the moves they made in free agency. Oh, how a lot inconvenient. Of the they got younger. Yeah, exactly, right? This was the accidental Super Bowl run. Darn it. And it's all because of the quarterback. And so that's why the expectation is Super Bowl versus what it might have been in the past. I just don't think people will get too ticked off if they don't win it or make it. But, but Mahomes is the difference. And Alex Smith for being a very good quarterback last year, you could not sort of look up at the stars the same way. And, and Mahomes allows you to really not have a defined ceiling. And given some of the throws he's made in late situations in games uh, and the points he's put up, who's to say they can't just score their way to a Super Bowl and, and get there? And I think that'd be a huge uh, win for everybody here. Tom Martin, sports anchor and reporter at KCTV. I can't thank you enough for joining me and talking about uh, this incredible team. And uh, while I have you on the line here, I want to uh, thank you right into your ear instead of over a text uh, for all the help that you've done and uh, the uh, assistance that you gave us with the Make-A-Wish uh, fundraiser over the summer. Uh, very good to, to talk to you, and uh, you've been a good friend, and I appreciate all your help. My pleasure, Tim. Always good talking. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, enjoy the Sabres. I, I wish I could be there for that, but I, I know this town certainly deserves it. So go Sabres, and I hope they do well. All right, Tom. Thanks so much. Uh, we're going to have Brian Campbell coming up after this, but, uh, yeah, that was nice to hear from Tom. It's uh, one of those guys, as soon as you hear his voice, it's like, ah, it's like a, it's like a warm blanket. Right, have a good Tom was one of, the good, one of the good ones. He was great hair, too. Yes. Great hair. Fantastic hair. Good yeah. voice, good hair. Thank what else do you need you. in TV? Yeah, exactly. Nothing. Well, oh, you're talking about Tom. No deformities <laughs> probably would be a benefit. WKBW? <laughs> Ooh. Easy, easy. Rich Jonah. Newberg is out in the parking lot and he wants a piece of you. <laughs> Vicious cockfight. <laughs>
All right. The Tim Grab Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorney. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I know I'm going to get pimped. They're going to pimp me. I love sausage. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber. On Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I diddled uh, some pole uh, over the weekend. Right. Not misohonia. The Tim Graham Show. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic, here with Chris Baker, also of The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at Sabres Prospects. Jonah Bronstein's here. We're going to talk some UB a little bit later on, get into the football and basketball situation there. And, of course, uh, Bobby Rosati did one of those knobs, as he does. And uh, we also have uh, with us today, it'll be good to talk to him, the thing that he's most known for is that in 2012 he won the Lady Bing. Former Buffalo Sabres defenseman Brian Campbell. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Hey, Tim. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, If you were to put a resume together, the Lady Bing would be right at the top, right? Uh, Probably Stanley Cup would have to go first. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. That, the All-Star Game. That was actually yeah. one of the highlights of my career. One of the funnest days of my career was covering that All-Star Game that you and Ryan Miller and Daniel Briere played in. Uh, Danny wins the MVP. I actually was one of the handful of people who voted for that award, and it wasn't nobody had noticed that Danny had either broken or tied Mario Lemieux's record for most assists or something like that in the All-Star Game, and I mentioned it, the voting. I was like, the guy's got a record. And a couple people changed their votes, and Daniel Breer ended up with a pickup truck. So You, you should have got a, a quarter of the pickup truck. I right? didn't even get a ride in the pickup truck. All right. So, Brian Campbell, where are you these days? I'm in Chicago. Um, we're all settled in here, so obviously working for the, the Blackhawks. Um, and then uh, my wife's from here, so us and uh, we have three little ones running around. So it's, uh, it's a little crazy at times, but it's, uh, it's fun. So your name is on the Stanley Cup because of your time with the Chicago Blackhawks, 2010. Uh, just curious, as I'm looking over your career before I had you on here, I always wonder what it's like, first off, holding the Stanley Cup, skating around the ice with it, certainly a thrill. But what's it like to when you finally see your name on it? And it, what were the circumstances when you finally saw it? Well, you don't get to see it till I think it's, I think it probably like, September, October, late September, early October. So that's the first time I saw it because um, they take it away to obviously engrave it. So yeah, my first time, I think it would be probably right around uh, when I got back to Chicago kind of in September or the home opener. We kind of probably saw it then was the first time. Um, I'm not sure if it's when we have, we maybe it might have been when we got our rings. Uh, which was uh, in preseason the next year. So, um, you know, it's a, that's such a thrill. And when you lift the Stanley Cup, you're a little nervous. You don't want to drop this thing in front of everybody. But uh, it's uh, it's a pretty crazy feeling. And to know, Brian, that or to see it, you can see it right there, your name in the same font 
in the same type size as every other name, as Bobby Orr, as uh, Wayne Gretzky, as Mario Lemieux. Uh, that has to be a pretty heavy moment to finally see that name and to know that everybody is going to see your name. If they look, uh, your name's going to be on that thing forever. Yeah, that's. I, I'm excited to once my kids get a little older, take them and and go see it and kind of um i think that'll be a pretty cool feeling uh maybe go to the hockey hall of fame and have a look at it someday in toronto so that that's the part that uh, probably would bring the most uh pleasure to my my face i guess and, and letting them see it kind of seeing what their reaction is so in 2010 you actually accomplish the goal you find out what it takes to actually win the stanley cup with that knowledge and all of your many years of, of playing in the NHL at a very high level, when you look back on those 2006-2007 Sabres teams, how close were you? That stings. I think it still still hurts right now, I think, uh, thinking about it. I think there, there's a couple parts to it. I feel like the first year in 06, I felt like we had the best team. Um, I just I just feel like we ran into a, a, a rash of injuries, and and I don't ever want to say, you know, most of the time when you go through injuries, you're just like, okay, you know, we're we don't we're good enough to to break through. But I think the amounts of injuries and and the timing of them was uh, so critical. And 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 when you're playing a good team like Carolina that year, uh, it was just it was just something I felt like we couldn't get over the hump with, and they. It just wore us down as as the series went along with with missing pieces. So um, that's the first huge disappointment. I think the second part is you want to be that team that brings it home to to uh, to Buffalo. And you know, I think um, the you know the excitement that I saw in fans here in Chicago after a, a number of years um, to to have had that feeling in, in Buffalo and the way they support their sports teams and how much they. You know, there's diehard fans, and they almost take it to a next another level. So I think that that aspect of um, after winning it to see what you know what it would have done to the city and and, and the town and the people, um, you know, is probably the probably the biggest disappointment in my career. I think you know is is something that I felt kind of got away, and then I guess you do realize how hard it is to win it. We're in conversation with Brian Campbell, former Sabres defenseman, also of the Sharks, Blackhawks, and Panthers. And uh, I don't want to dwell on the negative. I want to actually talk to you about what it's like as as life is returning to the Sabres organization here. But uh, just real quick on that 06 series, and you talk about all those injuries uh, on defense and Teppo Newman's uh, heart injury or heart issue, I believe, and Jay McKee had that weird infection. Um, so going into that game seven in Raleigh, um, you're a defenseman, you're a leader on that team, uh, and you have to have faith in your teammates and it's no indictment of Doug Janik, Jeff Jilson, Nathan Pache, those guys, Rory Fitzpatrick, but how, how much of a mental stress or what was, I guess, what was your frame of mind going into that game, knowing that you were digging that deep into Rochester to field uh, or, or to ice a, a blue line on the biggest stage up until that point, you're you're one game away from the Stanley Cup, and you end up actually going into the third period with the lead. How is that mentally for you? Yeah, it's um, going back. I think you know you, you talk about the injuries. We lost Tim Connolly in the Ottawa series, and at that point, he might have been the best player in the playoffs. I think he was leading the in line. 
um, and then he gets injured, and then and then you know I think if we had a if it had to hit our forwards a bit more and not our our back end as much. Uh, I know in game six, I think that season I was playing probably around 15 minutes a night was my average. And I remember in game six, we won in regulation. I think I played 30, over 33 minutes that night. And, you know, I, you know, I was playing great and I felt great, but, you know, it was just, um, it, it was probably a situation where we, we hoped, you know, you know, different guys, they, they didn't have to play to that extent and that level, um, Anything can happen, I guess, game seven. I think you, you go into the building, but to say that, you know, we, we felt as fresh as we did, um, you know, on, on the, on the blue line, especially and, and, you know, playing that many minutes and hard minutes and then going back. And then the, the worst part is you, you get on the plane going to game or game seven of Carolina and you're like, where's Jay McKee? And we were all wondering where he was. And then you, they said, oh, he's not feeling well or doing something. You, you know, maybe then you're thinking, okay, he'll just fly in later or fly in tomorrow. But the, the, then to to hear exactly what happened, you know, uh, a few minutes or an hour or so later, it just was kind of a little, um, you know, just such such a demoralizing kind of thing to find that, that news out and know that he wasn't going to be a part of Game Seven. So. Um, you know, I thought we fought hard. It was just, it was just, um, came up short. And, you know, I think, um, I guess life goes on, but it's definitely, uh, uh, a stinger. Definitely even just talking about it and thinking about it right now. Well, Brian, I'm, I'm sorry to, I don't want to belabor that. So let's uh, talk about the reason why that, that is so disappointing is because it was such a fun ride for those two years and you guys, especially in 06-07, we're the best team in hockey throughout the regular season, Uh, get to -to back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals. Um, For fans who are maybe a little bit younger or they've just forgotten, I guess, uh, what it's like, when you think back on those days, how would you you describe uh, what it's like when things are going well for the Sabres in this town at uh, places like the Cobblestone and Crocodile and uh, with Strictly Hip playing uh, down there on Elmwood. And I mean, there uh, uh, and I know that you're on the ice when this happens, but the party in the plaza, which now teams do in the NHL and the NBA, and everybody's do, copying what the Sabres were doing as a community and a fan base uh, back then 11, 12 years ago. Yeah, um, I, I really, I, I still remember after we won Game Six against Carolina, we were in our dressing room getting changed after the game, and you could hear the fans in the uh, in the front. They must have been in the front atrium, just cheering "Let's go Buffalo!" And it was just like this is like it was crazy. The whole, you know, atmosphere of it, the whole. Um, the city coming together, the, you know, the radio call in songs that they were making up about players or coaches or the, it was, you know, and we all know Buffalo is a, you know, it's a, it's not the biggest city, but it just feels like it's a small, like little small town uh, to me, you know, it felt like that's what it kind of felt like to me. It's just, you know, the population of 5,000 people just, you know, going through this and, and how crazy it was. Um, but yeah, they're just, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, to think about winning in Buffalo would be honestly one of the high, highest of the highs you could possibly get because 
you know how that town embraces people and people and if you embrace that town how how um how they never they would never forget such a thing and i think um to bring that joy to families you know i remember going to see watch bills games at people's houses and and in all growing up i never really had an nfl team to cheer about and to see how excited they are about winning and then it kind of rolls over into the savers as well so um you know i think it, it would be one of the coolest and um almost um if you could win a Stanley Cup, giving things you could do to the community there and to the people. In conversation with Brian Campbell, former Buffalo Sabres defenseman, Lady Bing winner, let's not forget that, but also hey. his name is on the Stanley Cup, uh, former All-Star. Uh, what a career you had. Um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to cover you, too. Uh, Brian, what... What do you think the fans are in for if they have forgotten? You know, you follow the game closely enough. These Sabres, they've won six straight going into tonight's game against Philadelphia downtown. Um, they're doing things that they haven't done in five, six years in terms of just success. And there's little successes um, overall. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, teams do this. I mean, this happens. But the Sabres have been so bereft of these moments that it really feels like it's extra outstanding. Um but this team is fun to watch again, and they are in every game, and they're coming back, and if they're down two, it doesn't matter, um, which was very much like your teams that you were on uh, right before you left Buffalo. So um, what do you think when you watch these guys and when you see them coming together? Well, I think, you know, I think you have to give Jason Botter a lot of, um, you know, praise. And, you know, and it's not about the – you know, obviously you, you draft Dolly and that's not Jason Barrow. That's the hand you, you know, you're dealt and that's an easy decision. I think it's, you bring in some character guys that they've brought in like Sheary. Um, I think, you know, I think a, a guy like Skinner has been underrated. Uh, you know, Carolina, I think underrated him. Uh, he was always scoring 20 to 30 goals. I think he had the low twenties last year, which was an off year for him. And, and, um, you know, I think the, they kind of have an identity to their hockey club now. Um, you know, people are, people are now like the guys they had before in the, in the losing season. Now they're putting, now these players are put into a, a, they're in their role that they should be in, I guess I should say. Uh, they're not playing out of their, uh, role that they should be playing in around the league. And then, um, goaltending is, is such a huge part of it. And, and that gives you, you know, when, when the defense makes a mistake or a forward makes a, uh, more of a blaring mistake, you know, and to, to know that that puck did not go in it, you know, yes, you made the mistake, but you know, you can, you can keep going because your goaltender, goaltender comes up with a big saves. And obviously, uh, Carter Hutton has been a great addition to the hockey club. So, it just kind of gives your your team more confidence when you know you can get a big stop here and there to 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 help cover up uh, the the odd play that that does go um, that, that goes against you the way you want it to. So Brian, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you as a defenseman uh, through your eyes, uh, knowing the position so intimately well. What do you see when you watch Rasmus Dahlin? What makes him so good? Ooh, um, I, I think. 
you know, you watch him, and right when I saw him before he got drafted, I said this guy could be a first line center almost on your hockey club as well. Um, you know, I think he, he's, you know, he's made a couple more highlight plays lately. I think those those plays are going to be coming um, once he gets used to the league a little bit more. He's, you know, you're twenty so twenty games maybe in, and um, I think his play is just going to. Once he learns the league a little bit more and how to prepare, and his level is just going to continue to to go up and up. So, um, you know, on the offensive side, the shiftiness of him. Um, you know, I was watching this the highlight the other night where he went off the crossbar. He eked out uh, a couple guys, and it, it felt like he was stick handling. It felt like the puck never left his blade. I was watching. I I, re, I rewound it and watched him. And when he was stick handling, it wasn't like choppy or anything to it. It felt like it was glued onto his stick. It was pretty amazing for me to sit back and watch it. And then, obviously, um, I don't know if you remember the play the other night, Tim, that I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. So, and I, I forget the team that it was against, but he he came in and it just it was just uh, was so Winni- was it Winnipeg? Winnipeg, okay, no. yeah, yeah. The game before Winnipeg. Yeah. He came in. He deked a couple guys. Pittsburgh, um, Pittsburgh against Pittsburgh. Yeah, it was Pittsburgh because Malkin was on the ice, and Malkin yep. was one of the guys he went through. So, um, just it, you know, it was, it was just impressive. So, here's defensive style. I think uh, the, the good thing is Phil Housley wants his defenseman to get up. Um, you know, and he's just going to get better at learning how to play and defend, and and, and the keys to defending in his own end. But um, you know, now they have they you know the forwards for the Sabers now have guys that can get them the puck. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good Jack Eichel is, if you're not getting the puck in certain areas or with speed, uh, you're not going to have as much success as you possibly can. Brian Campbell, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Uh, you know what it's like when it's fun here and the Sabers are winning. I think it's probably the same. You know, not that it's a Sabers thing, whether the Bills are winning or the Sabers are winning, uh, but this town is different when uh, when. <laughs> And it's been so long that I do think that some fans, even who were around for those times, have forgotten uh, and need to be reacquainted with those moments. And I think that enough time has passed, too, uh, notwithstanding the Bills making the playoffs last year and getting bounced in the first game. But there are people who there's a generation of fans who haven't experienced it or weren't conscious enough to uh, to be able to absorb it. So thanks for coming on and talking about the Sabres. And it looks like uh, things might be turning around finally. Yeah, I definitely hope so. It's it's well deserved, and it just kind of gets it gets kids playing more too, which is such an important part. Which happened here in Chicago, more and more kids are playing the sport, and um, it's important for the for the city of Buffalo. Brian Campbell, former Sabers defensive. Thanks for let me spit let me spit that out again. Hang on now, got a little excited. Brian Campbell, former Sabers defenseman. Thanks for joining the show. <laughs> Thanks, Tim, for having me. I appreciate it. No, it's, it means a lot to me that you take some time out of your day. Take care, Brian. Uh, enjoy the uh, rest of the season there in Chicago. All right. Sounds good. All right. Brian Campbell, nice of him to join us. Uh, also, I know I keep calling him the Sabres' former defenseman. People might not remember the little vignette he had with the Sharks, mm-hmm. but, of course, spending a good chunk of his uh, the final uh, years of his career in Florida, but before uh, returning to Chicago. That's I'm struggling here towards the finish line of this segment. That first year in Florida. He played 27 minutes a night. 
He was like right just under 27. That's a lot of miles. It to was put a on young your body. team, yep. and he was con- he was brought in to be one of the leaders. Led yep. the league in minutes that year. 2650 yeah. something. I mean, that's crazy. That's one of the he nicest guys that? I've ever covered. That's what he averaged. But are yep. Florida minutes different than Buffalo minutes? Is it like miles on a car? Yeah, I mean, have, you play shuffleboard for like not half as, of them. Not yeah. as much rust on your right. skate blades. They're not taxed. They're on tax minutes. We're going to have Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas to give us some gambling info. And we're going to get into some UB talk. We're going to wrap up some more Bills talk, too. There's no, no sense we can't get into that again. Love it. Chris Baker's here, at Sabres Prospects. You can follow him on Twitter there. Jonah Bronstein's here in studio. Bobby Rosati did on the knobs. This is the Tim Graham Show. Brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call- Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show. We are brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. It's Lindsay with an A. Violacummingslindsay.com. Tim Graham shows on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic. Here with Chris Baker, also of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Sabres Prospects. Jonah Bronstein of Jonah Bronstein LLC. Not of the athletic. Not the of unathletic. the athletic. He is unathletic. Follow him on Twitter, at LeBronstein. He's always got to play on words, this guy. And Bobby Rosati diddling the knobs. Follow him at... Rosation? No, I, ch- I changed it. What is it? It's just Bobby Rosati now. Just Bobby? It used to be Brosation. Rosation yeah, sounds Rosation. like a skin condition. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, Rosacea? Rosacea. <laughs> is that what you the two you need the pills for the two couples that are in the bathtubs? They're they're in their separate bathtubs. Mm. Is that for brosation? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. Oh, what is that for? Mm. Oh, I think that's one of the flavors that. Bobby puts in his vape pen. Cialis <laughs> bathtub. Ambrosiation. <laughs> Where are we with uh, UB football, Jonah? Are they rocked after going down to Ohio and getting stomped? Where's their confidence? I'd say they were maybe humbled a little bit and some of the expectations of being in the top 25 and not that they'd get a New York Six Bowl, but that maybe they were worthy of being talked about with those kind of teams. But I don't think their confidence is shaken. Look, you're going to lose games. And Ohio was the preseason favorite in the division. Didn't have as good of a record as Buffalo, but I think everybody knew this was maybe their toughest game of the season, at least I thought it was. And they still, because they took care of business in the other games, they can lose that game and still win the division, beat Ohio, go to the MAC champion, well, beat Ohio for the division title go to the MAC championship game, get to 10 wins for the first time in school history. I don't think that really takes away from the season, but there was a a ceiling that they could have hit with a win last week that now they really can't hit anymore. Yeah, what what do you think the difference is with the bowl game that they'd get? Let's say that they win out. They win the MAC championship, and they finish at what would that be, 11-1? 
as opposed to doing all those things but also beating Ohio and I, being 12-1? and one. Do you think that would make a difference it, in it, the type of bowl game they would get invited to? No, because they're not – Central Florida is going to get that New Year's Six Bowl from the at-large for the group of five. And beyond that, it's the MAC Bowls. I'm looking it up right here, the ones they have agreements with. And they don't have – specific tie-ins well they have specific ties but they don't have it's not that the champion goes to this bowl and the second place team goes to that bowl so they're in the same mix with the mac it's really the pecking order of the mac and where you are geog- geographically and where they think is a good spot for you and that would have been the same with two losses or one loss is there a, in projection? a different season that could have been that could have made a big deal they could have been the highest rated uh group of five team and that would have been a really big deal losing that game and out of that thing if we're talking about nine and three yeah, right. Or if well, no, no. I mean, in another season, going eleven and one, with their only loss being to an Army team that was ranked, might have been enough to get UB into a bowl game because Army isn't in the group a big of five, bowl game. doesn't have that path to a bowl right. to, to a New Year's Six game. Yes, yes, yes. And right, they're they're already bowl eligible. But now that's going to Central Florida. I think there's another team or two in between where Buffalo might have been. You know, really. I think this is sort of – I brought this up a couple of weeks ago. As great of a season as UB is having, the, the, going to a bowl game, they're not going to be in a marquee bowl against – probably not against another marquee team that you're really going to want to see. I mean, the Birmingham Bowl, the Gasparilla Bowl, uh, the, the Gasparilla Bowl. bowl. You know, the, the, these aren't – actually, I don't even think they have the Gasparilla Bowl. I think I misread that one. I mean, it's going to be a lot like a couple years ago when they went. What, the, what is it? What is it really? Well, it looks like the ACC is a tie in the Gasparilla Bowl. I see. The Google machine isn't really giving me the ones. I know it's the Boca Raton Bowl, the Bahamas Bowl, the the Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. These sound the, like an awful lot of Christmas Day games. Before Christmas Day. Ugh. And against, you know, the big – the AAC, not, not against – it's that you're not what everybody wants to see is Buffalo against Syracuse or Buffalo against Notre Dame in the pinstripe bowl. Well, that's in and not around. Happen. Well, it's not, but there's you could squint and look at it and think the Big Ten might not fill their spots. I'd and like UB's to see in the UB state. against a power conference just to see what it's like, even if right. it's the sixth best team out of the Big Ten or the seventh best team out of the SEC. I just want to see how they measure up against a power five conference. Right, almost like a first-round NCAA game in basketball, which you're going to get sure. if you win your conference. And that's not possible for Buffalo this season. It's usually not possible for a Mid-American Conference team, although there have been teams that have risen above that and had those kind of marquee bowl games against teams you heard of on closer to New Year's Day, primetime. You know, what you would think of when you say, we're going to a bowl game. Now, for the players involved and the school involved, wanking motion, <laughs> getting that extra month, getting what they call the bowl experience, going down there to a city, usually in a warm weather area, and being kind of treated like a big deal, they will appreciate that. But if you're a fan looking for a really interesting bowl game to watch Buffalo in next month, I don't know if you're going to get it. Before we get to. Joel Staniszewski coming up. He's going to be on the line from Vegas. Chris Baker, you are a big golf guy. You're a big fantasy golf guy, or at least uh, what would you call it? Not uh, daily fantasy. Daily fantasy. You do the the tournaments. Yes. 
Yes. What do you make of this <laughs> Tiger Phil Mickelson pay-per-view? Do you care? Because I do not care at all. Now, I'm into Tiger on Sunday. I'm into Tiger at the cut when he wasn't doing well. Yeah. And when he was doing well, I'm into Tiger on Sunday. So I get it. I'm kind of into Phil. But the idea of these two guys going in a concocted head to head just doesn't do anything no, for me. No, it's it seems like it's actually being forced right now. And they were doing the media tour yesterday. It's almost like they're begging people to pay twenty bucks to watch it. Um, but no, I'm not. I don't. I don't care. I really don't care. I mean, you know, Phil is Phil's going to get smoked. If you want the prediction, though, I think Tiger's going to take him out back. Take him out back and just really own him. I think so. Why I think is so. Uh, I don't follow it as closely as you. Is, I just is think that Mickelson it's, not playing well. I think is this a ti- course that is favorable to Tiger? No, it's just Tiger's in his head. He's been in his head for 10, 15 years. I mean, it's just kind of how it is. And I think Phil's going to try to like almost ham it up because they're mic'd up. Phil seems to be paying more attention to the fact that it's a production and he's going to be into that. And I think he's going to forget about golfing. And I think Tiger's just going to smoke him. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. What are what are the betting options on this? Do you have do you know? Well, you can do. I mean, there's going to be all sorts of bets, like by hole, and I think sure. it's going to be a, it's going to be a big betting event for people that care. What's the format? How are they doing it? It's, just one it, round. Yeah, yeah. I think and it's that's just, it. I think it's just one round on Friday, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I could I could care less. I could really. And you're into it. I I mean, you're. I'm into the golf. Yeah, I'm into you know understanding the players and the courses that they're playing. Are you going to bet on it? Course history, Um, maybe. If you know, maybe. I haven't even. I haven't even committed to that though. You know what I mean? Because you're going to have a full slate of games for the NHL on Friday, and you know if you're into the daily fantasy, that's a big piece. But if you think if you're convinced that Tiger's going to smoke him, I should bet it. Yeah, I should bet it. Yeah. I wonder what the line is. I haven't even looked. We should look it up. Maybe uh, we'll talk with Joel Staniszewski about that. That's a good. That's a good one for Joel. I'd be curious to see what the buzz is even in Vegas for this event. If anywhere, I guess that'd be it because it is a made-for betting type event. Yeah. Or if you're gonna get it, maybe that's where you get your action. I don't know. It's just yeah. I mean, it's a tough spot in the schedule too for people to even care about it on a Friday. On a Friday, Black Friday. You know what I mean? People Everybody's going to be watching UB and Bowling Green. UB and Bowling Green. Well, you know, that was a question, like a 10-second question for Jonah. Like, if you're a sports fan in Buffalo, should you be more excited for UB basketball or football? Like, if you had to pick one and just tell someone to get into it. I well, think the basketball team's got buzz, right? Yeah, the basketball team has a chance to go make a run in the NCAA tournament. They're going to play teams like Syracuse and Marquette. They already beat West Virginia, where the football team, like they said, they got Two more MAC games if they make the MAC championship, and I, you know, I looked it up while we were at the Dollar General Bowl against Georgia Southern, the mm-hmm. Boca Bowl against Florida Atlantic, the Dollar General Bowl against Troll Troy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think those are really exciting matchups. I do think if you are already on the UB football bandwagon, it's fun to see them win a championship. Maybe that will be on ESPN, a bowl game that'll be on some national television network. If you really are into college football and UB. Now is the time yeah. to, to be excited about them. For the record, Tiger Woods is minus 205. That means if you bet $100, you could win 50. So he's clearly the favorite. Phil Mickelson is plus 175. Bet 100 to win 175. And people say, well, why would I bet 100 to win 50? You get the 100 back, too. Just for just so everybody knows how that yeah, works. Yeah. It's <laughs> going to be like boxing, though, where maybe Tiger lets him win, so there's a rematch that everybody can pay for. This is something that could be easily be fixed. There's going to be and, a lot of side and Phil bets. Mickelson. That's yeah. the thing <laughs> right. is that it's a good thing Phil Mickelson isn't favored 
Because Phil, with his uh, financial issues, I mean, he might accidentally miss a... He might have to take a dive like Bobby Riggs. <laughs> the match is taking place in Las Vegas at Shadow Creek, which is uh, one of the prestigious golf courses mm-hmm. uh, in the world. Uh, all right, we're going to talk about that uh, with Joel Staniszewski. When we come back, he's going to be on the line from Vegas. This is the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay. You're... I almost said it without reading it. It's been long enough. I should be able to do it, right? Sometimes it's like you should be able to sing the jingle. I, think by I now. can sing. I we, we talked be, about. This. I should be able to say it backwards. <laughs> Tim Graham show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call two eight five nine five five five. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. I like to read it because if I don't, I get about halfway through and I choke. <laughs> I think I like I've missed a word. I need to make sure that I get all the words in. This is the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show. If you're waiting for a drop, it doesn't It does. <laughs> it's a drum it. beat. That's all it does? Drumbeat. Oh, it's got an old school a, flavor, yeah, though. I love yeah. this stuff. You know, when's the when's the guitar? When do I hear the guitar riff? Yeah, any lyrics? Just a kick drum and a snare, the occasional snare. Yeah. The know. Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. We're going to have Joel Staniszewski on the line here in a minute. We're going to talk uh, the latest in NFL betting. Take a look at the Bills. Uh, there was a discussion on the show last week with Joel that the Bills might actually be favored this week because the Jaguars being in a tailspin. And if Josh Allen were to come back and the Bills coming off their big victory against the Jets, and it was all going to be dependent on how good Jacksonville looked against Pittsburgh. And although Jacksonville choked away the victory, they still played strong enough that uh, Jacksonville is a three-point favorite uh, against the Bills, and uh, another low total, 37 and a half. Uh, but you don't want to hear me talk about this. From Buffalo to Las Vegas, it's Joel The Bills make me wanna show. Best gambling advice from Vegas. It's Joel Staniszewski. Joel Staniszewski of Sloan. Graduate of St. Joe's and Buff State. He's been out in Las Vegas as a handicapper, odds maker, and industry analyst for the past 14 years. Joins us every week around this time to talk about what's going on in sports betting uh, as it pertains to the Bills mostly. Uh, we were just talking about the golf match that's going on uh, at Shadow Creek out in Las Vegas on Friday, Joel. And uh, what's the what's the buzz out there about Tiger versus Phil? Because uh, Chris Baker and I aren't aren't feeling it. It's uh, there's not too much. We were actually talking about it at work today. Um, I Tiger's minus two dollars heads up. Um, and somebody said, if this match was 10 years ago, it would be awesome. And I was like, absolutely. And it reminded me of when uh, Floyd finally fought Pacquiao, you know. Wow. Not 
not when they should have, you know, about a couple of years too late. Uh, but it's still going to be great. I'll still check it out for sure. Um, it's not too far from me, but I know you can't get in unless you have a press pass. So maybe uh, I could uh, shave my beard off and try to look like Rodak and, and say that's who I am and get some hair on my head, and maybe I could try to squeeze in there. You want to cover right. it for the Tim Graham show? <laughs> that's a great idea. Let's see if I can get in there. The credential yeah. deadline's probably passed, but I'm seeing if I, I would pull some so. strings. <laughs> I've never been to Shadow Creek because it is ultra exclusive. Steve Wynn's big golf course out there, and that was always the thing. Like if you could find a way to get in at Shadow Creek, but it was so closed off. That was at, when I lived out there in the mid to late '90s. That was where Jordan always was playing, and Barkley yep. they'd get together. Uh, Andre Agassi played out there. Anybody who was anybody in Las Vegas, mo- mostly casino moguls. But then you'd also use it. Steve Wynn would use it to get in his big uh, whales. You know the big mm. the big betters. Yep. And he'd bring him into town, and so that way, if you stayed at the Mirage, the Wynn wasn't built yet. So the Mirage, Treasure Island. Although if you're a whale, you're probably not staying at Treasure Island. No. What else would it have been? Uh, Bellagio. Bellagio. Right. Right. Bellagio was a big one. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a pretty cool event. Now it's well, it's a pretty cool event from a betting standpoint. I'll finish that thought. I, I'm just not that into it. But what about the structure of it, Joel? Because it is a one day event, everything's heads up. Um, do you view this as a a good betting event? Or I, I guess what's what's your, just your stance on the structure here? And and I, I, it's, it's kind of made very, for betting. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange. It's something that you would never have seen talked about or publicized like it is now if this was a couple of years ago like we were saying when they were both you know in their prime you know talking about sports betting wasn't you know on the forefront of all the sports channels and websites and everything um so yes they're both on the back side of their careers you could say um but it's still an exciting thing and it's just it's a definitely a, a, a an interesting thing to look at because it's just two people playing golf it's not you know, you're paired up with a foursome, you're standing around, you're, you're, you know, it's a whole event. It's just two dudes playing one round of golf. So that part of it's cool and interesting. And I'd like to see how it gets played out, like how closely they have them mic'd up and hearing some trash talk going back and forth, heckling each other. Like, that would be cool, but I just don't know how, like to what extent it's going to be, but it's definitely something I'll, I'll check out just just for the sake of checking it out, see what it's all about. Well, I know you're going to check out your beloved Buffalo Bills uh, going up against uh, arch coaching nemesis Doug Marone. I don't know. Who's more hated as a coach? Is it, It's got to be Belichick if you're a Bills fan. Is it still Belichick oh, sure. because of longevity? Or Marone is... No, I think it's Marone. You do? Really? No way. No, I don't think so. Think, Jonah Bronstein's vote is for Marone. Wow. Do you think if Bills fan, who they hate the most... Doug Marone or Bill Belichick? That's good. Maybe I'll put a poll up. Yeah, I should have done that at the beginning of the show, but I'll put a poll up just for curiosity. But yeah, Bill Belichick didn't steal any money from the bill. Well, all right. Before I get any accused of anything or <laughs> somebody files a lawsuit against me for slander, Doug I Marone didn't Kraft steal the money. All. Well, well, okay. All right. Well, well, that's a discussion to have. <laughs> but Doug Marone has wounded the Bills most recently, beat him in the playoffs last year, walked out on him as head coach, took the $3 million and left. What was it? Is that what it was? $3 million? I don't know. $6 yeah, million, $12 million? Like million? It was two, three. Yeah. It was, yeah. 
So you can all rationalize right. him leaving though when he did. But but anyways. Well, yeah, there was a domino. And believe it or not, the big the first yeah. domino to go was Kyle Orton surprising them with retirement. Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden, uh, you know, Doug Marone did not like EJ Manuel, which is how Kyle Orton ended up being the quarterback to begin with. And now he's looking at, oh, I can take this money and leave because I have this clause in my contract that if their bills change ownership, because I'm signing up to work for Ralph Wilson, I can take this money, which he did. Uh, and he said, I, I don't have a quarterback. And there was a belief that he was going to get the Jets job, which didn't happen. You were going to say, Jonah? I just I don't think he was all that well-liked when he was the coach here, especially at the end, and him leaving. Now coaching as a team that beat him in the playoffs last year, having sort of an air about him that I think rubs people the wrong way. Not that Belichick doesn't do something similar. I just think you put that all together, and I don't think there's too many people in Buffalo that like Doug Marone. $4 million. Four, wow. $4 million to take the opt-out clause. Okay, so so Joel, what are your thoughts on the Jaguars uh, who can't move the ball against a good Bills defense and a Bills offense that probably won't be able to move the ball much against a pretty good Jacksonville Jaguars defense? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting game to look at. Uh, the, the, the Bills defense is better than the Jacksonville defense. Um, I think the, the main part of this game that will will kind of show you what the Bills are all about is if they can stop the run. With Fournette coming back and getting uh, you know a lighter load two weeks ago and a lot of carries last week, I think if they can slow him down and stop him, that, that will determine the game for the Bills for sure. Um, I think our offense will be like it has been. It's not going to put up uh, 48 or whatever we did two weeks ago. Um, but Josh Allen, I think, is a better quarterback, obviously, than um, Matt Barkley. He has that option to run. He has a better arm. I think with the offensive line, knowing that our future quarterback, our future starter for the next however long is coming back, they'll they'll play a little bit better. Hopefully we can get some, some good separation in the, by the receivers. I think us coming off of a bye is, is great for us to get healthy with uh, with Josh Allen, obviously, with Matt Milano hopefully coming back. Uh, I think we're in a great position to, to win this game. Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas. Uh, Joel, if the Bills are able to win this game, they go to Miami next week. Miami has Indianapolis. Uh, they're ten-and-a-half-point underdogs at Indianapolis, so they're probably going to lose that one. If the Bills can beat the Jaguars... Is it possible that the Bills could be favored at Miami? I doubt it. It would take us to really whoop Jacksonville and for Indianapolis to really whoop Miami. All right, Um, so then the games are down to them, three home games. If we're looking at the best possibilities for the Bills to be a favorite at some point this season and avoid becoming the first team in NFL history to make the playoffs and then be uh, underdog for 16 games the next season, uh, the Jets at home. I guess that's the one you look at, but they also have Detroit and yep. uh, Miami at home in the season finale. Uh, yeah, obviously that's a big thing. Uh, seeing what happens with Detroit, which is is mind-blowing to me that uh, Trubisky is doubtful. They're saying he probably won't play, and the line doesn't even move. That really tells you a lot about what what the, what the sports books think of Detroit. Three-point dog at home against a backup quarterback. All right. Well, there's a possibility. Well, Joel, thanks for joining us. We got an early out tonight because we have Syracuse basketball coming up at the top of the hour. Colgate 
uh, the big, uh, you know, throw out the record books when Colgate visits Syracuse. And also, we've been uh, remiss not to mention that Dartmouth is at UB tonight uh, for basketball. 